welcome to the Niche to Necessity podcast. My name is Taylor Zork, and today we have on our program Lourdes Miranda. Lourdes is the is a chief compliance officer and a chief consultant with FinTech Advisory Group. Welcome, Lourdes. Hi, Taylor. Thank you. Thank you very much, and your team, Crypto CFOs, for having me here today. I'm really excited uh, to speak with you today. Yeah, yeah, we've uh, we've had you on on many of our water cooler Wednesday, Wednesdays, so it's good to have a formal interview with you because I love what you're doing for the compliance space in, in crypto. So, um, yeah, yeah, thanks again for coming on. Thanks, Taylor. Um, so, just a quick introduction and 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 kind of like background for people uh, who, who don't know you already. Uh, could you walk us through your journey from the intelligence community and federal law enforcement to becoming a chief, chief compliance officer and a chief consultant at FinTech Advisory Group, especially in the context of, you know, the evolving crypto landscape. Absolutely, Taylor. Uh, I was first introduced to crypto in 2017 while I was in the intelligence community. Uh, the cyber team reached out to me because I had a background, you know, follow the money background, financial crimes investigations background. Uh, my almost 30 years of experience in financial crimes investigations and intelligence collection analysis. It's like, let's talk to Lord if she can help us work on this mission. Um, so I said, yeah, no problem. So when they, you know, when I walked into their lab, um, they like, yo, yeah, by the way, this is not traditional uh, money laundering or terrorist finance. This is on crypto. I'm like, great. I've heard about crypto. And when I looked at their monitors, I was like, what is this? It was like WTF. And I wasn't even thinking Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. It was like elf language to me. And I was like, I'm not sure I'm the right person for you. And they're like, no, you're the perfect person for us because you don't know crypto, but you know the traditional methods of moving money and identifying illicit finance. So that's why they brought me in. So for one year, I worked on this mission with the cyber unit at this intelligence community agency. And the rest is history. Um, so when they were describing to me what the mission was, because that's what we do, you know, what are what is the goal of the mission? What is the mission? What the end results you want to look for in this mission? So when they when they when they were talking to me, I said to me, I said to them, please speak to me in layman terms. I do not understand crypto terminology. Just talk to me in English, and then we can go from there. So when they finally briefed me, I'm like, okay, I got this. So what I did, I created a check that a lot of people in the audience who've ever seen my webinars or attended conferences where I spoke, I always shared this graphic check. So, and I always say to the audience or speakers or listeners, if you ever written a check, you could understand a crypto transaction. So I took this elf language in the crypto sphere and put it into layman terms because I do not have an engineering or cybersecurity background. So that's what I did. So when they, then they trained me how to analyze the blockchain. So I took, what I learned from the cyber team, uh, what the blockchain was, how to analyze the blockchain. I thought of a, if a bank statement from a bank. I I'm sure those in the audience will remember what a bank statement looked like back in the day when you used to receive your information from your bank. So that's what I did from 2017, 2018. The cyber team introduced me to the crypto ecosystem, and the rest is history. Yeah. Very oh, cool. so how yeah. I got into compliance. So I left. The intelligence community, I'm like, this is the future. So when I left the intelligence community to join the private sector, I connected with one of my uh, contacts. I knew her from the Treasury Department. She knew me when I was at CIA. And I reached out to her for some consulting opportunities and goes, 
you're the perfect person, Lord, is to join our compliance team. And I'm like, wait a minute, I don't have a compliance background. I just left the intelligence community. I have a law enforcement background as well. She goes, no, we need somebody like you uh, to teach her compliance and investigators how to think like field agents, how to think like bad actors. So, you know, you know, KYCs know your customer. Well, when she had me join her team, I taught them the other KYC, know your criminal, mm -hmm. to understand how bad actors work. Um, and I shared my experiences out in the field, how we worked on building cases and how we collected intelligence and analyzed the intelligence we gathered against bad actors. So that's how I joined the compliance world. Um, so I took my intelligence and law enforcement background and applied it to the compliance world. And, and the rest is history. That's great. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a, a really good crossover, right? Because, you know, you you understand, you know, you, you understood fundamentally, like what the, like you say, the bad actors, how they thought, what their what their modes of, of operating were. And then, so it was, it, it gave you an advantage in the compliance space to, to know what to look for and to kind of dial in on those investigations. That's very cool. Um, Correct. Uh, because as you know, compliance is being proactive right. and investigations is being reactive. So I was teaching compliance officers who are the first line of defense to think like a bad actor before something happens, to prevent it from happening before it becomes an investigation. Right. It's like what we do in accounting when we, when we put together really good um, thorough books, you know, we're, we're being proactive. So that in the event that you get audited, you are ready to go and you have everything detailed and easy to um, look back onto. Um, a little bit different because you, you're looking at people who are trying to commit crimes and trying to prevent that. But um, yeah, sim similar philosophy. I love it. Um, Thank you. So as far as, um, you know, the Web3 and, and cryptocurrency evolution, how have you seen the perception of cryptocurrency and Web3 technologies change over the past decade especially from a regulatory compliance and investigative perspective. I know you've been in the industry more <laughs> since 2017, but yes. just in general, like um, where have you seen that move? Uh, wow, Taylor, I, I could be here all day talking to you about that. Uh, but well, from what I've seen so far, uh, users have more control and more privacy, which from a regulatory and compliance and investigative perspective can be challenging. Um, you know, to monitor transactions, to investigate and disrupt nefarious activity, because there's so much privacy and control in the crypto ecosystem and Web3 and other um, platforms in the crypto ecosystem. So it's, it's a big challenge. So from a regulatory perspective, again, this can be very tricky when it comes to the crypto with crypto, because complying with regulations, you know, everybody knows crypto is global. So from a regulatory perspective, uh, Complying with regulations could depend on the country the startup is registered in, what licenses that entity has, and which countries they're offering products and services. So, you know, like in, if if um, I work with a lot of clients, and my first question is, where are you registered, and what, what which jurisdictions, which countries do you want to offer products and services? Um, because you know, if they want to register the money service business in the United States, they got to register with U.S. FinCEN you know, U.S. is um, 
one of the United States' regulatory components is FinCEN. You know, and that can go on and on and on because then some clients want to offer securities or commodities, then you got to deal with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission. And then you have Europe, you have micro requirements. Then you have the United Kingdom, they had their own different regulatory requirements. So that's a regulatory challenge in itself when it comes to crypto. Um, from a compliance perspective, um, some startups only require users to open a wallet with just a name or an email or a phone number, which drives me crazy, just blows my mind. And they're, they're okay with that because, you know, in their minds um, as a startup, they want to generate money. They want to make money. I get that. And sometimes they forget about compliance. So I'm there to remind them that, you know, it's not enough to have a user from a compliance perspective, open up a, a wallet with just a name, an email and a phone number. It's so, yeah. So I talked with a lot of my clients about that. So from an investigative perspective, this is the most challenging. Who has jurisdiction when there's a, when the crime has been committed? Because as you know, crypto is so global, um, you know, we can have a bad actor in Europe engaging in transactions from Europe to the United States, from the United States to Africa. And the question is, where, where did the crime start? Who committed the crime and where are they located? So jurisdiction is a big issue with investigators. That's the number one challenge that we have. Um, I worked with a lot of DEA agents, and IRS agents, and FBI agents. And, you know, my question is, who has jurisdiction? We you know when they bring me on as a consultant. And it depends, right? That's my favorite answer. But one agent, DEA agent, mentioned to me that she went on the dark web, made a purchase. Long story short, the DEA grabbed jurisdiction. So that is the number one problem with the crypto ecosystem and who has jurisdiction. Yeah. Right, because it spans so many different things, right? It could be, you know, um, yeah, yeah, like you say, it, it, <laughs> it, 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 it's it's muddy, right? And I think that that's yes. both the thing that we enjoy about the industry, but also the thing that, that poses unique challenges. Um, Absolutely. Speaking of, speaking of challenges, um, you, you touched on some, but what are kind of the most significant challenges you face when working with fintechs and blockchain mm -hmm. entities in terms of compliance and investigations. So how do you see the role of traditional finance institutions, financial institutions evolving with the rise of DeFi and other Web3 technologies? Um, great question, Taylor. Thank you. Um, in terms of compliance, um, fintech and blockchain entities, uh, you know, as a, a chief compliance officer, um, I always remind our clients that, you know, we're not the enemy. Compliance is there to protect your company from bad actors, protect your company's reputation, preventing your company from, you know, um, becoming on the first page of the New York Times, the front pages of the Washington Post, and prevent them from being the next FTX and, you know, Bislato and Chip Mixer. So, you know, in terms of compliance for startups, fintechs, whatever people want to call them, um, it's challenging because they see not all, but a lot of these startups are young people who are new in this field, um, young CEOs. Um, they don't understand the value of compliance. So as a chief compliance officer, I'm there to uh, explain to them and reassure them that compliance is there for a reason. 
And, you know, I literally go down the list. I can be here all day going down the list with them. Um, so, yeah, I, I constantly remind them because they see compliance as a hindrance. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, you need compliance because we're, we're here to protect you. So right. that's a challenge from traditional to the crypto ecosystem. Um, right. In terms of investigations, okay. Conducting any type of investigation takes time. And I've learned working with startups and blockchain entities that investigators have to work fast and cautiously before the user realizes that their wallet has been frozen. Um, because when there's when we suspect nefarious activity when we're conducting transaction monitoring or PEP and sanction screening, and we're like, okay, we have a problem. Um, we have to work fast in the crypto ecosystem when it comes to investigations. Traditional investigations in law enforcement um, and private sector, it takes longer. But in crypto world, we got to work fast because the user, we can't let the user know that we froze their account. You know, we froze their wallet. Um, we have to be cautious without compromising the investigation because there's a lot of entities involved in the crypto ecosystem. And again, we have to make sure to conduct the investigation fast and cautiously without alerting the user that their account is under investigation. Because, you know, like I mentioned, sometimes we have to freeze the account until the investigation is closed. And then sometimes, depending on the various activity, we have to keep the account open to continually monitor the money flow and the movement as we collect evidence to build our case. And then you got law enforcement involved. As a startup and as a senior criminal investigator like myself, um, I'm responsible to determine whether I need to call law enforcement. Do we need to get law enforcement involved? Or can we just settle it within our own um, walls, our own company? Um, and then another thing I have to consider as a chief compliance officer, when I'm working with investigators, do we need to draft a SAR, suspicious activity report. Now, if the investigation is in Europe, then we have to draft a suspicious transaction report. Mm -hmm. Investigations are very tricky in the e crypto ecosystem because you have so many layers, so many people involved, so many different countries, and you have to be careful because we don't want this case compromised. Mm -hmm. And we have to move fast um, because the user can either determine why is my account frozen, and we have to determine, like in the U.S., we're required to report suspicious activity involving money laundering, terrorist financing to uh, the Treasury Department. We have to submit a suspicious activity report within 30 days. And in some countries, it's one week. So investigations can get tricky. Um, yeah. Last but not least, collaboration between teams. Who gets involved um, without compromising the case? Because there's a lot of loose lips that sink ships. You've heard that expression about maintaining classified information. Yeah. We have, so in the crypto ecosystem, that's tough to keep it contained and compartmentalized. Right. Yeah. Right. And um, so when you say about, when you talk about freezing accounts, you're talking more in like the, the context of like a centralized exchange account type of thing where, where someone has activity on, on an, like a, a wallet on an exchange. Is that, is that, Kind of what you're focusing on correct yeah when yeah. we conduct transaction monitoring or pep and sanction screening 
or another entity, another crypto change, or even law enforcement contacts us and submits a report uh, request for information from right. law enforcement. Um, there's so many layers and it's very difficult to keep it confidential. Right. Um, yeah, and there's so many components that we have to move fast because if my client suspect one of their users on their platform engaging in suspicious activity, and we know they're moving money um, on chain off to another crypto exchange or a different wallet, we may need to contact that entity as well and get them involved. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you don't want to because sometimes bad actors use um, uh, suspicious platforms to move money, like independent wallet services, mm -hmm. um, hold wallets. So it, it's, it's crypto investigations is uh, to me is one of the most challenging um, investigations I've ever conducted in my career because mm -hmm. it's so global and is so fast. Yes. Yeah, you're right. And everything moves fast. And if, yeah, if you don't, if, if you alert the person, so I, it sounds like <clears throat> the biggest challenges are kind of the, the, the cohesion between teams, who takes point, and then the need to act quickly and swiftly without alerting those those individuals of what's going on. Correct. And you know, as an investigator within the entity, you got you have to work with the compliance team. You have to work with legal. You have to work with the other investigators. Um, and if the transaction is moving from the U.S. to the U.K. or Europe, then you got to reach out to the money laundering reporting officer in that country. You got to keep the chief compliance officer like myself, um, you know, informed. It is scary to build a credible, solid, strong case when so many people are involved who are right. not vetted. You know, when I was in federal law enforcement in the United States government, um, it was easy for us to contain the investigation within ourselves. You know, we were already vetted. We had top secret clearances. We trusted each other. Um, when the crypto ecosystem, we have to take chances and reach out to the money laundering reporting officer, who, who, by the way, I never met in person, but I have to trust mm -hmm. to keep this investigation closed hold until right. it's resolved. Yeah, right. it's a challenge. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, yeah. Okay, and, and so, you know, speaking of nefarious activities, and, and we've talked a little bit so far about anti-money laundering, um, AML, uh, you know, given your expertise and your background in AML, how do you think AML practices need to adapt to the unique challenges posed by cryptocurrencies? How to adapt? Um, train. Uh, I'm a firm believer that every entity, um, any any entity that's um, that involves any type of money transaction any money flows need to learn and understand how crypto moves, need to understand blockchain analytics. Everybody needs to be trained from customer support to the compliance officer, to the investigator, to legal developers, engineers. Um, I'm a firm believer that is train, train, train. Mm -hmm. um, I'm big on collaboration in the crypto ecosystem. Um, when I consult for startups, who are based outside the US, I always make sure their country managers placed in every region, every country that this entity is offering their products and services. And I have that country manager who's from there, knows the culture, knows the language. 
uh, report to me on what's going on. Um, I'm all for keeping everybody in the loop, train, 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 knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's good. A good, a good way to adapt for sure. Um, could you share an instance where your AML expertise directly impacted a crypto related investigation or a compliance challenge? Uh, compliance challenge. Yes, global regulations. Um, like I mentioned before, crypto is global. You have to keep up with up to date with global regulations. Like I'm based in the United States. I'm a chief compliance officer for crypto startups, blockchain entities. And um, I'm a firm believer when I build a compliance and investigation program for my client, I make sure country managers are placed in certain countries and regions where this entity offers products and services so they can keep me in the loop of what's going on in that country's regulations, rules, and laws. I'm a firm believer of that. Um, you know, keeping up to date with global regulations is exhausting and challenging. So I'm a firm believer to keep, um, and it's 24 seven. There are times I wake up at three o'clock in the morning, Eastern Standard Time, US, to make sure I'm on a call in Greece or Nigeria, they're six, seven hours ahead of me. That's a challenge in itself because it's 24 seven. Um, yeah, and then by the way, you know, me being in the US, um, we have multiple regulations that we have to continue following, whether it's securities, you know, the, with the SEC, Securities and Exchange Commission, with FinCEN, you know, yeah. bit licenses in New York. Then we got to keep up with uh, MICA in Europe. The United Kingdom has different regulations. It's exhausting. I bet. It's challenging. I, I, I can only imagine just just keeping up with the U.S. alone and then going yeah. global is is really is really a challenge. I can only only imagine. I, I focus on um, U.S. <laughs> tax based stuff, but I'm also working with clients that are you know they're multi jurisdictional, so they may have um, you know a base in El Salvador, U yes. UAE in Dubai. They have uh, Liechtenstein. You know they have you know Switzerland. All these different countries. So it's 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 a challenge. Keeping up with one, and then when, when you're when you're faced with multiple, it's uh, it's it's a whole other beast. It is. I have a great example. I have a I have I had a client who, um, lived but lives in Cyprus. He still lives there, and he married a Russian national, and she wanted to open a wallet, and I'm like, she can open a wallet. It's fine, you know, as long as she can. We conduct due diligence on her. Blah blah blah. But she can't have her family in Russia open wallets because it's because you're registered as a U.S. Uh, money service business, even though you're offering products and services throughout Europe. That's great. She's from Russia. Nothing against Russia, but according to U.S. laws and sanction laws and regulations, you she cannot transact in Russia. So he thought I was discriminating against her. I'm like, no, no, no. It doesn't matter where she's from. What matters is where you live. Mm -hmm. That's great. She's Russian. I love it. But now she lives in Cyprus and she's married to you. That's fine. She can open a wallet. Mm -hmm. She can open two wallets. I don't care. But she can't send money to her family in Russia on your platform. She has to find mm -hmm. another method. Right. So I always remind um, entities, global entities, globally, um, it doesn't matter where you're from. What matters is where you live and where you open that account. Mm -hmm. So this CEO's wife was a great example. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's great. She's Russian, but 
She lives in Cyprus. She's married to you. She's good to go. But she's still, we're still going to do due diligence on her. And I'm going to do due diligence on you. It doesn't matter where you're from. Is where you live and where you're going to engage in transactions, the countries. So I keep an Excel spreadsheet on all the countries that our clients have products and services in, provides okay. products and services. Yeah. I'm sure that's a beast of an Excel spreadsheet, but... Um... <laughs> So um, this this kind of question kind of maybe dovetails with uh, the the different ways that um, people in your profession can can continue to adapt to crypto and Web three. But um, I know that you hold certifications in chain with chain analysis and McAfee. Mm -hmm. You know how crucial are tools like these in modern financial crime investigations, especially in the crypto space? Extremely crucial. And um, I forgot to answer one of your questions and I'll answer it by answering this question. You need these tools for um, one reason. Um, I was working on an AML case and I realized that bad actors are exploiting social media to commit fraud. So I'm like, wait a minute. And I realized that my clients, customer service representatives, knew nothing about crypto, knew nothing about blockchain, didn't know anything about Bitcoin addresses, and were being exploited by these users calling the customer service rep saying, hi, um, I want a refund. I made a mistake. I did a $1,000 transaction worth of Bitcoin. I made a mistake. Could you refund me? And the customers, some customer service reps complied because they didn't understand what the user was asking for. They just wanted to ensure that the users was happy. That's what customer support does. Make sure everybody's happy. Customers are happy. So he refunded this user $1,000 worth of Bitcoin in their fiat currency where they were living, in their local currency, fiat currency. Not realizing that the user was a bad actor, exploited the platform, exploited the customer service rep because the user sent $10 worth of another crypto market value was only $10, but told the customer service rep, it was a thousand dollars. And then when a bad actor finds a customer service rep who understands crypto and blockchain analytics, and the bad actor realizes that they can't exploit this customer service rep, they'll go on social media, like Twitter and telegram and start vilifying the company live on Twitter. Wow. Live on telegram saying, wow. This company is a fraud. Customer service is not helpful. I give them zero stars and mm -hmm. so forth. So what I've learned when you ask me about tools, tools are crucial. And when, the, when a company has these tools, they need to train everyone, including especially customer service, what a Bitcoin address is, um, how to analyze a Bitcoin address or other crypto addresses on blockchain, like Chainalysis, I'm trained and certified in Chainalysis. So I train my clients how to conduct um, blockchain analytics with the address that a user will call and say, hi, this is my public key. I need a refund. So I train customer service, pop, pop, populate or copy and paste that address that the user uh, sent to you, pop it into Chainalysis, ensure that it is $1,000 worth of Bitcoin, make sure that the user is not lying to you. And then mm -hmm. let the user know, you give me 15 minutes while I verify your public address, public key, and then I can uh, give you your refund and so forth. Yeah. So 
tools are crucial. So anyone out there, and they can challenge me if they like, if you do not have blockchain analytics or some crypto platform to conduct compliance and blockchain analytics and investigations, you're not doing a good job. You yeah. need these tools. You need these platforms um, like Elliptic. Um, I, mean, I can go down the list. Uh, yeah. TRM yeah. Labs. Yeah, and I mean, like, just for, from an accounting perspective, I know that we leverage, yeah. you know, a lot of my clients are on EVM, like the uh, Ethereum compatible mm -hmm. um, EVM chains or or clones of, of, of or layer twos or things like that. Um, and so, you know, we, we leverage Etherscan a lot because it's, it's a query database of, of the, of the blockchain. And so, you know, it's not an analytical tool. It won't help you with any specific analytics, but you can mm -hmm. at least view funds on chain and you can confirm that, Hey, this is my public key. I, I really sent this. And this is the wallet, you, wallet address you sent it to is, is truly one of our exchange wallets or, or something like that. So, so you can verify these things on chain and you can even have that person prove that they um, own that wallet by signing a transaction from that wallet. So it proves that they have the private keys to that. So, yeah, yeah. I think that for me, I, I definitely need to get, um, if, if I start working with, you know, clients where I need to do, you know, fraud, fraud investigations or things like yeah. that, chain analysis would definitely be, a, you know, one of the tools um, that I would. Analytic, well. Elliptic Analytic. is great. TRM yeah. Labs is great. Um, yeah. I, I'm glad you brought that up because accountants, CPAs, you know, tax uh, professionals, tax attorneys, whomever need these tools. You know, you have your accounting and tax tools. You also need crypto tools. Mm -hmm. um, I remind clients that you can't use one vendor to conduct due diligence, to, to do compliance and conduct investigations. That's not strong. That, that's not... Um, that's not good compliance. I mean, and or enhanced due diligence. You need two more platforms to conduct compliance and conduct crypto investigations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they have to be compatible. So as a chief compliance officer, I'm responsible for, I have a vendor list. And part of our policies and procedures is to have a vendor risk management list and policy and procedure. And I always share my vendor list with all my clients, say, you cannot just use one platform to conduct compliance and investigations. Like you, you're a CPA, crypto CFOs. Uh, you guys, your team have tax and accounting platforms. Like you said, and I agree with you, you have to have another type of crypto platform mm -hmm. to conduct due diligence and a strong investigation. You have to. Right, yeah. right. And yep. I, I'm all for obtaining certifications. Um, I interview a lot of people for roles and a lot of people say, yes, I understand chain analysis. I'm like, well, I don't see that you're certified. Like, no, I don't need it. I've used it. I'm like, no, no, no. I want your certification because obtaining those certifications, Taylor, I don't know if you ever obtained a chain analysis certification. They're not easy. Yeah. You really have to study. And, and I caught myself like, wow, I really have to study. <laughs> I'm like, I really need to, you know, clamp down and study because obtaining these uh, chain analysis, I have a McAfee certification. They're not easy. Those exams are tough. Yeah. So if, if I see that you have a certification that's valid, not expired, I'm going to consider you before I consider someone who tells me they have the experience, because I right. know if you are certified, you understand it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. 
I know that you've touched on it already, but are there any additional emerging tech that, or tools in the crypto investigation realm that you're particularly excited about? If, if, if you've already mentioned them all, that's fine. Just, just curious if there are any emerging ones that you're looking at. Um, I'm looking at it now because thanks to crypto CFOs and uh, you inspired me because um, <laughs> I'm, I'm now looking into reaching out and networking with um, tax professionals, um, tax attorneys, because, you know, we do corporate investigations. Uh, January 2024, I'm starting the graduate program, getting a master's in accounting. Um, I'm going to take my Congrats. CPA exam. So nice. thanks to you guys for that. So thanks to you um, and your Wednesday coolers, you know, Wednesday every week on Wednesdays. Yep. Yep. I've learned that you mentioned some tax software that I brought to the attention of some potential clients like Soft Ledger, uh, Zen yep. Ledger, Zen Suite. Yeah, there's Zenledger, there's Cryptio, yeah. there's um, there's Integral, there's Legible, there's Entendre. There's a lot of them, um, and and lots of them have different uh, benefits, and 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 some of them are more focused on tax, some of them are more more focused yeah. on accounting. But they're really great subledgers that allow you to kind of codify your and and simplify the viewing of your your on-chain transactions. Yeah. yeah. Um. Thanks, you guys. I also found Bitwave. Okay. Yep. That, that yeah. I did a, I had a demo done on that for 30 minutes. It was great. And I'm trying to learn all these tax and accounting platforms because I'm trying to um, bring in some tax professionals, clients. So, and accounting professionals as clients. So I'm, I'm learning as I go. Yeah. Um, there's also crystal. There's a blockchain analytics software that I use as well. Um, so I guess we listed a few out there yeah. for those in the audience who are listening. And yeah. books, I read a lot of books. Nice, very nice. Um, okay, so as far as training and education, you've contributed to online course development and delivery. You know, how important is continuous education for professionals in the rapid, rapidly evolving space? I know you mentioned that you, lo you love certifications because you feel like yes. um, sometimes it's like a proof of knowledge, right? Um, you know, we're talking about proof of stake, proof of, proof of work, proof of work. You know, let's, <laughs> let's get proof of knowledge here. Um, yeah. So, so how important do you see that in the space? Uh, extremely important uh, because the crypto ecosystem isn't going away and a lot of bad actors are using crypto to engage in nefarious activity, you know, financing operations, financing terrorist operations, laundering money using crypto. It's extremely important people is crypto is not going away. You know, it's not, it's growing. Um, you know, get web three NFTs, it just keeps going on and on and on. Um, and believe it or not, being in law enforcement for so many years and in the intelligence community for, for many years, I've learned one thing. If bad actors are using a type of method, financial method to finance um, any type of illicit activity, the U.S. government is going to embrace it. It's not going anywhere because as long as bad actors are continuing using crypto and other um, platforms, we have no choice but to embrace it and, and stay ahead of the game. It's not going anywhere. I don't care what anybody says. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. And Great. those tax professionals and CPAs and accounting professionals, um, they need to jump on it if they're not on it already because I know a lot of bad actors who are investing, they're trading, you know, they're buying tokens and stable coins and 
they're trading and investing and they're using that kind of money to finance their nefarious activities. So, yeah. So what advice might you give to accounting and tax professionals that are looking to delve into the world of crypto and Web3? Study. Study. <laughs> take, every, take every certification that's out there. Um, crypto CFOs, I'm, I'm looking forward to you guys building a tax and accounting um, platform to teach people like me who are non-tax and accounting professionals about crypto in the accounting world, crypto in the tax world. Um, so I'm looking forward to more of those training sessions that you guys offer. Because I'm learning a lot about tax and accounting through you guys, which yeah, inspired you, my graduate degree. That's great. I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm loving that you're, you're going after the yeah. CPA exam. It's not an easy nut to crack. And I, 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 <laughs> I commend you for going after it, you know, when you already have a successful career out, out elsewhere. Some might say that's uh, a bit of, uh, of, of self-punishment, <laughs> but you know what? I think that you you you're the you're the woman to do it. But um, thank you, thank you. No, uh, you know, and you guys published a book as well that I bought yeah. on Amazon. Nice. So yeah, it's published yeah. in twenty, updated in twenty twenty three, right? The yeah, book we that just I got. released yeah. the edition, the second edition yeah. this this July. So um, we're really excited about that. It's kind of the framework for how our coursing yeah. is going to go. And I'm actually, um, we're actually releasing our accelerator course here in another, I think it's, it's going to be announced in the next week or two, um, where, where we will be doing a practical guide. Because I think one of the best ways that I learned crypto and Web3 was by actually doing transactions on chain and seeing the flow of funds in real time based on what I was doing. Because um, for me, that was what made it click for like, okay, this is how this flows. This is what this looks on on Etherscan. This is what this looks like. And I think that um, it'll be a great course for anyone who wants to kind of get their feet wet without having to, um, you know, with, with having their hand held as well, because it can be intimidating as well in, in the industry. Oh, it, extremely intimidating. I mean, you brought up a good point about the type of investigations. There's, you know, there's the Bitcoin and altcoin investigations. Then you have the Ethereum blockchain investigation, whole different type of training different certification, very painful, literally made me cry. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. This test, this exam is tough. So CPA exam, I'm ready for you because if I survive crypto and Ethereum certification examination and McAfee, that's a challenge in itself. Yeah. Um, so for those tax professionals, accounting professionals out there, one thing you don't have to be, you don't, you don't have to have an engineering or cybersecurity background to understand crypto transactions. I don't have one. Taylor, yeah. do you have an engineering background? Nope. nope. No, and we understand crypto. Yeah. Um, for those, again, for those accounting professional, tax professionals, take crypto compliance, crypto investigation courses that have nothing to do with tax or accounting. Mm -hmm. Learn what investigators like myself have learned out in the field. Because I guarantee you these bad actors, what we found and discovered out in the field, you're going to see it in your tax documents, your accounting statements, your financial statements. So don't, don't just take accounting tax classes, courses, or webinars. Take criminal investigations, um, crypto compliance, and learn how being proactive and reactive in the differences and how that will apply in your field in tax and accounting world. That, that's really great advice. I think that um, ultimately for me, like, if I can answer a question without having to ask the client to, that's, I mean, obviously we want to, we want to hear, we want to have support from the client, 
But if I can look on chain and rather than ask a question about, oh, what's this wallet address for? And I can look at the wallet address and see that, oh, this is a smart contract. This contains a smart, smart contract where it seems like um, deposits are being sent here. Then I can at least frame my question to the client um, with additional information before I've gone in and talked to them. Um, and so that when I hear their response back, I can see if it fits with the, the narrative that I've already started to put together, or maybe it's completely different. Maybe I was wrong. And then it, it furthers my own understanding of, okay, maybe, maybe I, I thought this was a smart contract, but it's not really, or, or something like that. So um, yeah, I think that's a really good, having a good, good investigative background for crypto is, is, is key because it's, it's all public and out there. So if you can find it and do some yes. searching. You know? Absolutely. When I found crypto CFOs on LinkedIn, I'm like, okay, I don't have an accounting background, but I do my best to join you guys every weekend, every yeah. Wednesdays. I join your training sessions. I listen to your podcast. I bought your book and I don't have an accounting background, but I need to understand mm -hmm. because bad actors, they engage in accounting fraud, tax fraud. So, I mean, here I am and I appreciate you guys patience when I ask crazy questions because I don't have an accounting background. No, but we but love I'm the learning. compliance perspective. We love having that perspective from compliance because um, as yeah. you say, it often gets overlooked in the crypto industry because it's a lot of young ambitious kids yeah. or, or, yeah. or just young adults that are, that are, are trying to move fast and, yes. and they have a passionate, you know, they have an idea and, and they have a really good, they have pep in their step and they're just, they're ready to go. And, and they don't always stop and think about how, you know, the, the, the bigger implications of what they're doing. So it's important to have that compliance perspective. That is correct. I have a, a quick story for you. Um, you know, like you mentioned, these startups are, are built by the young, uh, younger generation, young people, very ambitious people. And I give them a lot of credit because uh, building startups are not easy. Um, and I remember one of my clients hired me and I jumped one of their engineering calls. And I noticed everybody was leaning into the cameras, like, why is the chief compliance officer on our calls? And I was waving, hello, I'm just listening in. And the VP of engineering called me because like, why did you jump on our calls? And I'm like, well, as a chief compliance officer, I need to understand how you're building the product so I can identify vulnerabilities to your platform. I need to understand how it's built and how, it's work, how it works. So I can let you know that's not compliant. Mm -hmm. um, he's like, oh, so as a chief compliance officer, I have to remind engineers why compliance is there. Why am I the chief compliance officer on their calls? And there are many times when I tested their product, I identified a vulnerability. For example, uh, one of my clients was in Israel and their product was not featured in the United States yet because they didn't register as a money service business or they didn't have any licenses to offer products and services in the United States. Me being in the US, I opened up an account, a wallet. I'm like, hey, engineers, your system is flawed. There's a vulnerability because I just opened up an account in the United States, which is a major compliance violation. Right. So right. that's the reason why everybody needs to collaborate. I'm all for collaboration. Yeah. And so engineers out there, compliance is your friend. We're here to identify vulnerabilities to your platform. So when we join your calls, don't question it. We're just listening. So we can test the product, understand how it's built. So we can identify, again, vulnerabilities and you can patch those holes. Yeah, and I think it's important. It's really important that collaborative aspect, you know, because 
as we know, like the, the industry itself evolved so quickly as we've been talking about throughout this call. And I think yeah. that um, you can only go so deep on every specific little topic within the, even just in the, the small accounting sphere in crypto assets. It's like, you know, you could talk about, we have one guy in our community, uh, Patrick Camuso, who actually was a guest author on our book as well. He does he focuses primarily on NFT sales tax issues, you know, you know, so it's like very niche, very specific, but it's, there's a lot there and you could, he's going to build his whole, he can build a whole career over that and he can be the guy on that. Right. Yes. And so being able to collaborate with different professionals and say, okay, I'm going to lean on this guy for my sales, you know, my NFT sales tax issues, um, or I'm going to lean on this person for their knowledge of tax law and, 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 maybe this this company for crypto tax resolution or or different things like that there's you can you can be an inch wide and a mile deep on many different topics in this in this industry i'll give you another two examples the second example was i jumped on a marketing and social media call you know all these teams have their own calls all their meetings and they're like why is the chief compliance officer on our call and i'm waving hello this is who i am mm-hmm. um and i'm like Hey, you need compliance because as marketing people and business development, social media directors and advertisers, you need to know which countries and regions you're not allowed to promote in because they're sanctioned. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these marketing directors and social media directors don't know which countries are sanctioned because that's not their job. Mm -hmm. So I created a matrix, a threat matrix, Mm -hmm. um, saying these are the countries and regions you cannot promote products and services in and this is the reason why and they appreciate that because they don't know yeah and they don't want to get in trouble they want to make sure they're being effective with with where they're targeting and how they're targeting because each of those jurisdictions may require different marketing um, plans for them as well so why build one if you can't market there anyways so exactly because either the company's not licensed there or doesn't have um not registered Mm-hmm. And the marketing directors, social media directors don't know compliance. And that's why as a chief compliance officer, I jump on these calls and meet with the directors and vice presidents, say, hi, this is the reason why you need compliance on some of your calls to remind you where not to promote the products and services. Right. Um, very cool. So just from the future predictions standpoint, where do you see the intersection of compliance investigations and cryptocurrency in the next five or 10 years? Hmm, five or 10 years. The intersection is collaboration, is in collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. Like we were talking, everyone needs to be in the picture. That's why I'm a firm believer having town hall calls once a week, twice a month to let every team describe with with every team what's going on. Why compliance is doing this? Why the investigations team is doing this? Engineers are doing this. Product developers are doing this. You have to collaborate, especially in the crypto ecosystem, because crypto is global. Mm -hmm. You cannot have the marketing and engineering team in, uh, in, in London not know what's going on in the U.S. and vice versa. Right. Collaboration is key in communication. Yeah. Um, and then you mentioned before, I know that you have a spread, uh, an Excel doc where you have, you know, the different jurisdictions that your clients are in. So how, how do you stay, uh, 
updated and ahead of the curve when it comes to the like getting in yourself informed on everything that's going on within the industry. Well, as you know, it's not easy. Yeah. Um, that's why when I um, when I have a client that is offers products and services throughout the world, I place country managers to keep me posted right. on what's going on. I literally have calls on Monday. It's um, Greece. Tuesday's Nigeria. Wednesday's London and so forth. Mm -hmm. Hey, what's going on? So I can update the Excel spreadsheet on regulations globally. Right. Right. And laws, especially right. accounting and tax laws, right? right. Um, it, it, again, it's not easy. I listen to podcasts like this. Podcasts are great because I go to the gym, pop in a podcast on crypto and right. listen while I'm working out. Um, reading books like your book. Um, whoa, I've joined so many professional organizations mm -hmm. just to keep up with crypto. It's not even funny. I'm like... Mm -hmm. Half my paycheck is paying these professional organizations, the, you know, the membership fees, um, because these professional organizations, they offer webinars and conferences about crypto, mm -hmm. NFTs, blockchain, you name it. Um, join meetup groups in your area, um, attend conferences, uh, attend seminars, LinkedIn. If you know those out there who don't have security restrictions like I had at one time, I had to get permission to join LinkedIn, believe it or not. Um, join LinkedIn. You've got to join LinkedIn yeah. because you guys, every Wednesday, I literally go out of my way to try to make your Wednesday calls yeah. just to hear, even though I have no clue what you're talking about, as long <laughs> as I hear tax and accounting words in my head, right. I'm learning, right? right. Um, yeah. Take advantage of technology. Go to the gym, listen to podcasts. LinkedIn. Um, that's, I mean, do you have any other suggestions besides what I've mentioned, Taylor? Um, I mean, I, 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 I'm on, you know, multiple different, I, I have a homepage that pulls up like CoinDesk and yes. uh, a few <laughs> other like great sites that have really good uh, Web3 news. So I'm looking at that sort of stuff. I have a Google yes. alerts that um, for crypto plus accounting and crypto plus tax that I get in my email for links for stuff that has been related to that on a couple of couple days a week. Um, what else? I, I love, you know, it's a little some the only YouTuber that I that I kind YouTube. of recommend to people is uh, is coin guy from coin bureau. Um, you know, he has, sometimes Ooh. he has hot takes, but I watch his weekly roundup videos every Monday. Um, it's about 20 minutes and they kind of talk about the industry news, what happened in the previous week. He also does deep dives on things like, uh, you know, when the, when the fed chair is, is, is giving a speech or when there's new regulatory stuff, U S focused, he, he, mm -hmm. he's based out of the UK, but he does a lot of stuff with the, with, you know, the U S just because it has such a big voice in the crypto space. Um, I listen to that. It's, it's entertaining and it's a, it, he doesn't have any sponsors, so there's no ads on those. So um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's nice too. Cause it, you, you know, you kind of get the sense that he's a little less biased um, just cause he's not getting paid for it. But um, I know he has brand deals where he gives discounts on his page, but yeah, he has really good um, news. And I feel like it's, it's usually pretty kind of neutral. Um, and not politicized. So, um, yeah, yeah. Those are my kind of main news sources. I, I like how you brought up, um, 
setting up alerts. Um, I'm, I'll have to touch base with you about the accounting and tax alerts because when I start grad school for my accounting degree, um, graduate degree, I'm gonna have to look into that. You're, that's a good point, alerts and YouTube. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but you know what I really like? I follow on LinkedIn, I follow Chainalysis and Elliptic and TRM Labs. Okay. Yeah. They produce yeah. great um, statistics, great methodologies, great trends. Um, and when they, when they publish an article, I literally download it and start scanning it. So I yeah. look up for those, those help me with what's going on with trends, methodologies, anomalies, yep. emerging technologies yep. that bad actors are using to, you know, engage in nefarious activity and finance their operations. Um, so yeah, chain analysis, elliptic and TRM labs. I read those all the time. I do. I, I make an effort to read those because to me, they're credible because I know them. Yep. Um, I don't read everything on the internet. So, but I do read Chainalysis, TRM Labs, and Elliptic articles. And you have to have a business email to download the reports. They have okay. really great reports. And again, I know them because I work with them in the intelligence community as well as um, in law enforcement. So mm -hmm. I know who the writers are. Oh, so to cool. me, they're credible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's really good because I think that, yeah. you know, especially from an accounting and tax perspective, having that type of news that's more directed to that kind of focus is 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 good as well because, you know, anything that's popping up on chain that you, that that is a, either an evolution or it's a um, a new way to investigate or, or a new way, you know, yeah. th th those seem like great news sources as well. So I'll definitely give those a follow especially crypto CFOs, what you publish, I look at that as well, because I know you're credible. Cool. Well, um, closing thoughts now. So if there's one key takeaway that you'd like listeners, listeners to have from this conversation, <laughs> what would it be? Embrace crypto. It's not going <laughs> anywhere. Yeah. You yep. know, for those out there that ignore it, don't want to deal with it, yep. retire because yep. Crypto is across the board, academia, the medical field, the U.S. military is considering blockchain to collect the military records. I mean, yeah, it's not going anywhere, yeah. the crypto ecosystem. So that's the last thing I can, one key takeaway, embrace the crypto ecosystem. And if, if listeners either want to contact you for services or, you know, your compliance expertise, because I know you do consulting work. Um, Thank you. or if they want to kind of follow your work, writings, insights, um, where can they, where can they look at you? Uh, they can follow me on my LinkedIn, um, Lourdes C. Miranda, so I see Carmen. Um, I also have a website, it's lourdesmiranda.io, okay. um, but you can find most of my work on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, as a matter of fact, next week I'll be at the, at a conference. I'm speaking at a conference for two hours on crypto investing, how to, how to build a crypto investigation. So oh, follow okay. me on LinkedIn. Sounds great. Well, um, thank you so much, Lourdes, for your time today. Really enlightening conversation. And um, I always love to hear about your perspective from the client compliance perspective, because sometimes, sometimes it flies in the head of what, you know, what you see DeFi being built for, because it's like you have people who you, you want to know who everyone is and then yeah. five people sometimes want to want to be anonymous but it's really I, I love having conversations with you because it brings that perspective into it as like okay how do we look at this from from a investigative standpoint how do we how do we know 
who these bad players could be, these bad actors yeah. could be, and how do we prevent them from harming us or harming the businesses that we work for? Yeah, like I said, you know, the other KYC, know your criminal. Mm -hmm. You have to understand how they think in order to defeat them. So, but thank you, Taylor and Crypto CFOs, for having me speak on your podcast today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, our pleasure, and uh, we'll we'll hopefully see you this Wednesday. Um, but anyway, I'll be there. Yeah, sounds great. Taking well, notes. Yeah, well, thanks again, Lourdes, and um, we'll talk to you soon. Bye, Taylor. Take care.